Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod. We are here to break down... Oklahoma's Cotton Bowl victory over the Florida Gators, 55-20. to 20. It was a remarkable win over their scout team, uh, one that will echo in the halls of uh, the Bud Wilkinson house or whatever you call it for years. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, Jameson Maxwell, Ty Lee, as always. And guys, how are we feeling? This is the first time we've ever wrapped up a season, you know, immediately after the game. I believe our LSU recap last year was me asking Ty if he had any thoughts. He said no, and we moved on. Uh, <laughs> so it, we, we, we've matured up, uh, I, I guess, you know, with this 55-22 uh, win, one of the biggest margin of victory uh, wins by an Oklahoma team in a bowl game ever. The dogs are freaking out. The dogs are barking. Everyone's loving it. Um, but anyways, Jameson, what does this win mean for Oklahoma? Uh, I'll, I'll just let you start. It really doesn't mean much. It's, it's a confidence boost for the players internally. But if we were looking for an external reason, there's always going to be excuses and ways to turn the narrative away from us. If we want to use this in the future, you know, another team's going to use it as a negative. As simple as that. But but the way the players came out on Twitter, talking trash afterwards, posting dead Gators as their profile pictures, that's what we needed. We needed a confidence in this team that we haven't had in a long time. So this was really good for us. The, the amount of swagger, the amount of, you know, just straight up shit talking after that game was just, it was awesome. You know, we, we haven't had that swagger in years. And it was, it was well-earned swagger, you know. Uh, even though Florida was missing a lot of players, they just flat out went out and beat the brakes off of them. Um, you know, after all the smack talking with James Houston before, it's good stuff. Ty, what, 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 what's your thoughts on this new attitude that Swagger OU has brought kind of afterwards and um, really just the way they performed? Yeah, I, I loved it because um, it was, it, in my opinion, it was sort of a, a validation on the national scale of, um, you know, the changes that OU has been making and that OU has been saying that it's making. Sorry about that. You have to you have to realize, you know, for a lot of people, um, you know, I, I like to to think that it's much like I am with with other schools that are top ten. Is uh, a lot of people uh, nationally probably don't watch OU games. They might catch the OU Texas game, um, mm-hmm. and and they will watch our bowl game, but but that's it. So I think you've heard, and and you know, you see it on game day and on ESPN and and such uh, sort of these storylines about OU. And I think people have heard for a couple years now um, 
you know, everyone knows the OU offense story, but I think everyone has heard this whole um, OU defense improvement storyline uh, for a couple years now. And, and you really didn't, there were some changes, but you really didn't see a big change um, last year. And, and this year, I think we really validated that on, on a national scale because, you know, m- picking off a Heisman quarterback or a Heisman candidate quarterback uh, three times, um, you know, in one quarter is massive. That that's huge. Um, and, and just that, that margin of victory and, and, uh, you know, they had one garbage time touchdown, but it was, uh, I think super impressive and, and, you know, to, to cut myself short, uh, it helps us. It helps our credibility, you know, win against a, a top 10 team on the national stage. Uh, it helps us recruiting wise in our credibility that the rest of the conference went undefeated in their bowl games. That gives us a huge, huge legitimacy, um, that we can, you know, show to recruits and, uh, just the overall performance and, and the vibe of the team. I love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think more than anything, it brings the momentum into the next year. Uh, it really has this, I don't know, lasting impact. I know Florida is, they weren't what they are. You know, they, they weren't the team that was blowing out and really, you know, dominating the the bulk of the SEC that wasn't named Texas A&M. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, that's still a very good win. And again, they, they beat them worse than we beat UConn in 2010. So if you ask me before the game who I thought was better, you know, 2010 UConn or Florida without some wide receivers, <laughs> I'd obviously pick this Florida team with a Heisman candidate quarterback. It, it's it, it was a very impressive win. I, I don't think I, I know Dan Mullen obviously said his piece, and we'll get to that later uh, about you know, the, the billion different complaints he had. But, um, you know, this isn't about Dan Mullen. This isn't about Florida. This is about Oklahoma putting an absolute exclamation point on their season uh, that I believe will roll over into success for next year. Let's break it down and start off with the defense. Uh, just a remarkable performance. As you mentioned, uh, three interceptions of the defensive candidate, or the Heisman Trophy candidate, Kyle Trask, uh, I believe in the first three drives. Am I wrong on that? Mm, uh, um, close. It was close. I think huh? it was. I think it was one. It was either two, three. Of, I, it was, was the first four. It was three of the first four. Three of the first four. You know, interceptions. Uh, we might be really know. wrong there. We should probably check. Um, I'm, probably, checking, probably, I'm checking it right now. Someone's probably screaming like. So I think it might it have been three, three, three possession. It's Bobby yeah. is correct. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I, I, I guess I got it. It was uh, Trey Norwood, Brian Osmo, and Woody Washington, uh, one of which uh, returned back to the house for uh, for six, the Norwood one. Um, just what a way to start a game. Um, and, you know, for, for a team that when we started this season, one of the biggest things we really wanted to see out of this OU defense was turnovers to immediately just start picking Trask off um, in ways that, were his fault uh, is remarkable. J- Jameson, what does that do for Speed D to have such a you know a huge start? It, it was big because it's something we haven't seen this whole season. We've seen turnovers this season. We've seen great defenses um, season, but we've not seen anything we've seen like we saw in that bowl game because those were all coverage schemes, disguising things, and tricking Kyle Trask into throwing that ball and give it up to our secondary. 
This was not on our pass rush. Our pass rush only had one sack the whole game. You know, there was some threat there, but it was not like he was under duress and threw it up and we got a pick. These were going in front of the wide receiver, you know, reading the play, baiting him into something. That's extremely rare from this OU secondary. It was a huge jump, and I think that's the reason why um, you see guys like Trey Norwood entering the draft because it's it's honestly marvelous how well he played in this game. Yeah, defensive MVP uh, for Trey Norwood, a well-earned award on his part. Um, really just remarkable. And, and I think you've got to give a lot of love to Alex Grinch and the preparation uh, the Oklahoma coaching staff did in this game to get OU ready for this and to really you, – you could tell coaching – more than anything, I think, was the biggest difference in this. And it really especially shown through on the defensive side. Ty, what are your thoughts on the OU defense um, just as a, with a broad stroke? Yeah, I, I think um, broadly, uh, offensively, Florida was obviously very successful this season. Um, and, and they were missing, you know, some of their weapons or most of their weapons. I think we've now seen uh, when it comes to the, the passing threat. Um, but I, yeah, schematically outstanding job. I think that was really, I think our speed D is really built, um, you know, to counter sort of an offense like Florida has, um, especially one with such a minor run threat, um, and then a non-existent run threat from the quarterback most of the time, which I'm sure we'll dive into a little bit. Uh, but yeah, Trask is not a run threat whatsoever, period. So that, that makes things a lot easier. And I think, you know, Jameson touched on. Uh, sacks and, and pass rushes and pressure. I think part of that may have been, um, you know, a scheme. Don't uh, I think we we maybe held back and didn't try to send people because it's, you know, not really necessary and, and didn't really add much where we could, you know, keep a, a few more people deeper. Maybe um, you'd have to watch more more game tape maybe to validate that that opinion. That's something that I kind of thought while watching it and, and again just now. But yeah, I think really schematically we were just set up to to beat them um and then our players themselves i think are very um emotional players uh, on the defense especially in in the sense of you know they really are are feeding off of the the emotions and the vibe of the moment um and to start with a pick six uh there's no better way than than to pick off this this dude that you've heard you know for months is is a, a world beater, you know, star killer quarterback. And you just right away pick him off, pick six. Uh, that was, that was massive for the team as a whole, but I think especially for the defense, because it shows the players, okay, what we're doing, this is working. And then, you know, to, to accentuate that again and again, um, was just massive. I mean, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was just from the get go, a tone setter, um, Incredible yeah. performance. Yeah, it, it set the tone. I couldn't it think really of a word, but yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely set the tone. And, and the defense did lose a step whenever um, Florida put their backup quarterback in. You know, really threw us off with a bit of a running run game that we hadn't seen. Um, at, at one point, they had two backup quarterbacks in the game. One randomly lining up at like uh, receiver, as far as I saw. Uh, so they when they got when they got down in that twenty-one nothing hole, they got weird and. I don't think you can blame the defense for that, but in general, it was just such an all like a, an all around holistically great performance uh, out of the defense, out of the secondary, out of the linebackers, um, and Jameson solid game 
from Buki Radley Hiles, who did not start, but when he played, he played pretty good. What do you think about yeah. Buki? Just for like ever since that TCU game where we were really going at him, he's been really solid and keeping his head low, not doing much stupid, playing good defense, you know, reading the coverage well, being in the right position. And teams aren't able to bully him because we've moved Norwood down to that nickel position. And it's made it where teams can't just go over and over and over to the slot because Buki isn't always there. And we've changed up the scheme. And it's completely allowed Buki to spread his wings and do better. And I'm really proud of him. And, you know, right now he's looking at it. He's seeing – he hasn't said he's coming back next year. And he's looking at the possibility of going into the draft, which is crazy to think, you know. Um, but it might be his time because if Trey – I mean, Trey Norwood's gone, but we got Justin Harrington coming in at that nickel position vying for him. You know, maybe he sees the writing on the wall that our defense looks a little bit better with him not playing every single down. I mean, yeah, that, that's a very good point. And Ty, I know you're, you'd be thrilled to have Buki gone. Uh, but uh, Jameson, what, what would that do for OU's defense? Because you mentioned Justin Harrington. Uh, is it time for OU, in a way, for Buki to move on? No, I don't think OU would push him out at all because he is so valuable for us you know, off the field when it comes down to locker room and everybody likes him there. Plus recruiting, he's a celebrity of recruits. And even if he does poorly, you know, that is so powerful for us to have him on campus. Um, And I think we've realized that we don't have to play him every single down. I feel like we had this feeling that we owed it to him because he's some five-star and we gave him all the respect freshman year. I feel like we don't feel that, like, the debt anymore to him. We can just play him where we need to. And it's worked. So for us, we will do whatever he wants to do, whatever he thinks is best for him. Yeah. Um, but if that's the NFL for him, go for it. I don't know what his draft stock would be, but, you know, go for it. Yeah, and I mean, OU has always been accepting. And we'll, we'll get to the guys who uh, declared. Uh, maybe a surprise or two in there if you hadn't checked. Um, but Ty, your thoughts on Buki, I guess, not messing up, you know, doing pretty solid this back half of this year. Before we give the defensive game balls. Yeah, I think I think this game really uh, you could probably look back on um, as one of the highlights of of his career. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I know he's had games where he's had you know turnover creations and and stuff. <laughs> Bobby's messing me up by eating chili on camera. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so not only not only did he we had sort of established this schooner pod meta idea that the standard for Buki is just to not mess up. Um, but the the really impressive thing, I think, is that not only did he not mess up, he didn't give them a touchdown, he didn't give them an egregious penalty. Um, he actually had good, smart plays. He had some uh, uh, a pass breakup, especially, that really sticks to mind, where he sort of reached around from behind the guy and it was super impressive to me because it was a very mature play, in my opinion, because he he sat back there, made his move in the coverage to break up the pass, but um, did not, you know, fully commit to it uh, where he could get burned. You know, it was a situation where even had the guy caught it, um, he, he would have been able to be right there to get the tackle. And, and traditionally, you know, he, he was not super smart i want to say on those plays um he would really go you know all or nothing and very frequently would turn out to be nothing so uh i think you know props to him outstanding game um by buki in in my opinion 
Uh, absolutely. It, it was the exact type of game we want to see out of him, for sure. Um, by the way, if you're listening live and would like to have a, a chilly ASMR from me, let me know, and I will provide that. Uh, but if you're a normal person and don't want that, just don't say anything. Um, anyways, game balls. Is it is it Norwood? Do we agree with the Cotton Bowl uh, selection here, or uh, do you have a different selection? It's okay to just say Norwood because I probably will just say Norwood. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Norwood. I, I will say that I did, you know, talk down that we only had one sack. Our pass rush was there. There was pressures. You know, I'm not saying that Perkins and Benito did not have their stellar games at the every time. You know, it, it just wasn't what we've usually seen from our D-line in the past. Trey Norwood played exceptional. He's been doing it consistently through the past games. I know that we're not supposed to bring back, you know, past games, but the amount of consistency that he's shown in these past couple games plus his performance in the Cotton Bowl, just, yeah, I have to give it to Norwood. Yeah, it, it's it's got to be Norwood. Just uh, how solid he played, you know, the and obviously the pick six is the – I, I guess the most impressive play of the game, uh, the game that really started putting the pressure on Florida and really from the get, like the second you're up 14, nothing after, you know, two Florida snaps, you know, it, it all goes downhill from there uh, for Florida. So, and then his continued play throughout, it's gotta be Norwood. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be contrary and just for the sake of recognizing um, different people. I'm going to go with, with Woody Washington. I, I think stat-wise, he's had his best game yet. Um, you know, he had a pick, and then he had, uh, I believe, four or five tackles. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Oklahoma defense, Woody, uh, Woody Washington. Yeah, four tackles. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with him because he's he's a freshman, and he's he's the future of this defense and he's a guy that you know in in the next two years at least um we're gonna have to to lean on with with sort of a a wealth of experience and some some seniority in the defense and uh you know if he's what we have to look forward to in in terms of, of the future of the defense we are in really good hands so i'll go with woody washington to sort of cap off his uh entire season in in hopes for our future you know, going from I don't I don't think he was a starter at the start of the year, worked his way up, and and now a outstanding game and a, and a pick as a cornerback um, in the bowl. So yeah, uh, Woody Washington will be my defensive game ball. Woody was remarkable. Um, you know, he didn't really start getting a lot of major burn until I believe Texas. Uh, so a really good season for him. He's one of the biggest standouts this season, without a doubt. Um, let's talk about the offense. So, first and foremost, an immaculate running game. One of the best uh, rushing games we've seen in OU history, uh, at least in the bowl games. I believe we set a uh, bowl rushing record for OU. Uh, We nearly set a single game uh, rushing yards um, per attempt, um, you know, record. But apparently someone looked back and found – uh, we apparently rushed for more against, uh, I guess, Colorado in the 70s. Uh, but so basically an absolute out- outstanding rushing game from OU. Uh, one of the most just incredible out of Ramondre Stevenson. And as noted on the uh, Cotton Bowl pregame show, noted uh, X-Factor Seth McGowan, who has not played since Texas or TCU. Uh <laughs> 
what a game for the running game. Uh, I, just bet- between the O line, you know, and you know, obviously the talents of the rushing game. Uh, that to me is the story of this of this ball game is how the running backs just absolutely dominated. Jameson, your thoughts on the rushing game? Yeah, it, it made the game easy. Ramondre Stevenson looked like an immovable force. He looked so dominant playing against Florida's scout team. I'll give it to Florida. The people don't realize that their best defensive player also was not playing. You know, so um, I'll give that to them. But still, even if he was out there, Ramondre is still going to look um, absolutely dominant. Average over 10 yards per carry, which seems to just be so normal for him. And even though he did have the one fumble, it made it where, you know, Spencer Rattler barely even had to, like, work that hard. I felt like it was a very effortless game all the way across the offense. It's like they were running the ball so well early that they got bored, started trying to do some weird stuff on offense, chucking the ball deep, kind of got our offense in gridlock, and then they started running the ball again and we're fine, Um, which is – that's that's great. If it works, it works. But uh, in general, the rushing game was just remarkable. Um, and I, I don't know if um, if if they're uh, if that linebacker, you know, their leading tackler, would have made that much of a difference. We we've seen this as an issue. This is a trend with Florida. Uh, they got pounded by Texas A and M on the ground, um, who has a very remarkable uh, running game as well. So. Honestly, I don't know if that subtraction, I mean, it probably would have helped a little bit, but let's be real. I, I, don't, I don't think it would have been, you know, the difference maker in this game. And I don't think you're saying that either. But. No, definitely, definitely not. I, I, I don't think that he was, but Sean Miller was very good this season, but yeah, it, it yeah. wouldn't, it, there's, you can't fix it. You can't fix that. Um, yeah. the, the way we played 400 plus yards, you know. And it's crazy. You mentioned it about Seth McGowan with the X Factor whenever we heard that in the pregame. I was like, what? I was like, they even watch him? But obviously they had some, like, insight that this dude was going to touch the ball once in the running game, go 73 yards, and then he's going to catch a pass, you know, and go three catches and go 70 yards. Like, like that is extremely great production, and I don't know how they pulled it. I, I, I don't know, but I loved it. Ty, your thoughts on uh, Ramondre in the rushing game? Yeah, so I think I think first, um, you know, thought on the rushing game, and, and I don't want us to dive down this rabbit hole, but what what a loss for OU um, with uh, oh no. Anyways, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What what a loss uh, for OU with with not having pleasure there. Uh, I think. You know, I don't even want to dive in, into hypotheticals, but if we had a run threat um, at the start of the season, this this might be a completely different season for OU. Um, we would have been blown out by Bama, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, the run game, absolutely tremendous. Both Stevenson and Major had a significant number of carries, both averaged more than, than 10 yards per carry. Marcus Major had, had nine carries. Um, an average 12 uh, you had touched on on Stevenson with his 18 carries averaging 10 um, Seth McGowan obviously averaged 73 yards a carry but he only touched it once <laughs> um, but yeah everything we did running wise was was working I mean Mikey Henderson had an 18 yard run um, so it was just you know maybe that speaks to Florida a little bit but a lot of the success in the run is uh, is the D line as well 
and and they weren't missing anyone there. So I, I think that was a huge, huge factor for you. Um, in terms of star defenders being there, I think, I, I don't know. I really don't believe it, it would have made a difference. Um, and, and if anything, I think it maybe even potentially would have hurt Florida in the sense that it would have really skewed the time of possession back towards an even amount. I, I don't think they would have been able to get us off the field, but uh, the time of possession prior to the fourth quarter was almost two thirds Florida or, or something absurd like that. It was, um, we, we really did not have the ball a lot, or maybe it was the first half. Um, but, you know, we were scoring, you know, very quickly and they were, they were stringing together long drives. And I think it maybe would have made it even more difficult had, had we been able to really control time of possession better. Obviously when you're busting off 70 yard runs, you're not uh, complaining. Yeah. It's not really hard to, yeah, it's pretty difficult to even out that time of possession and it's not really a factor, but, um, yeah, I don't, you know, not to dive too deep into that whole Florida missing players and, and didn't care storyline, but, um, you know, that, that missing linebacker was not worth 35 points. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Like they gave, you gave up 55 points. Uh, I don't know what your plan was to win and, and also give up 55 points. So it, it just makes no sense. Honestly, it, it's, it's plain excuses. Uh, we've seen it all throughout the SEC's history. Anytime they lose a bowl game, you know, that they shouldn't have lost, they say they don't care. Every time they win it, they're excited. Uh, look, if Cincinnati would have pulled off that win against Georgia, you know, they would have acted like they don't care. But as we <laughs> saw from when they actually won and everyone, Kirby Smart rushes the field and they all mob in the end zone. Hey, guess what? They cared. <laughs> It's so obnoxious to me, and we don't need to get into it because, again, Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators are irrelevant here. Whatever whatever they did, it's irrelevant. It's done. They lost. They can make a, whatever excuses they want. It's not going to change the final score, and it's not going to uh, help them in the future. It's done. It's over. So let's move on. Yeah, and Dan um, Mullen needs to move on too. He needs to leave Florida after that. It's, it's plain and simple, and I think he should. I really do think I should. I think he should. First of all, an embarrassment of a performance. Second of all, an embarrassment of a post game. Third of all, they probably got a bunch of recruiting of whatever violations heading on him, and he wants to get out of town. So uh, yeah. I think Dan Mullen moves on to the NFL here with what six, seven head coaching opportunities he has. But honestly, I, embarrassment. Yeah, I, I will say. Tell you go but for it. Let me go real quick. Yeah, so I, I will say I'll I'll just I don't even want to jump into the, the post game comments. I mean, because it's 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 whatever. Um, you know, they, they at the end of the day, what you say after the game doesn't matter. It's it's what you do on the field. Um, and and that's really what I think that uh, there's a lot of blame to be laid on on his shoulders for this performance. I think Florida could have scored more than they did. I don't think they could have won but I don't think that it would have been a blowout with a garbage time touchdown to clean it up like it was had they kept with their backup quarterback as soon as they put him in. It it just didn't make sense to me. Like just watching the game, I was constantly going, what are they doing? Like they would put their backup in. He'd be able to run. He was throwing just as well as Trask was at the time. Uh, But with an additional run threat, it was not something that OU had game planned for. 
It was completely different. They were stringing it together good. They strung together an awesome drive with the backup and then put Trask in right at the end to mess it up. Like it was just absurd to me why they wouldn't just stick to one thing. Like it, he could, Dan Mullen had, it, he's just completely mentally shut down it seemed like game plan wise and they were just constantly trying something different and never giving anything enough time to succeed and then when things were working they didn't stick with it it was the craziest thing to me watching i I was seriously you know i wasn't rooting for them to to do any better but i was very confused by some of the decisions that he was making there and you can't that is no one else's fault but the head coach that you just keep swapping quarterbacks changing up schemes and ignoring things that are working to try to keep doing things that are failing you it it was one of the worst coaching performances I've seen front to back from the, the, the second they stepped out there to the post game. Awful. The, the strategy, awful. The preparation, awful. They, they clearly were not prepared to play OU. Uh, I, I, I don't know what they were doing before, but they, they didn't have a game plan in place. Uh, the second they got hit in the mouth, they panicked and pulled their Heisman quarterback. Uh, you know, and let's let's be real. Look, when you call your team that is full of four and five stars, a bunch of scout teamers, especially these players who, have, you know, many of which, believe it or not, were starters the whole year. And even if you're second string, even if you're second string, you, these are your future starters to call them scout team. It's insulting to them. It's insulting to the players that you have on your roster. It's insulting to the people who have worked their enti- their ass off the entire season. It's it's it just I can only imagine. I honestly feel bad for the Florida players who had to hear that to to be to be demeaned like that. To you know, I, I would much rather just have your coach say, you know, like we just got beat. You know, we tried our best and we got beat. Other than make a bunch of excuses and demean the people on your roster that fought that stepped up and played in this game to call them scout team to call them like, you know, Oh, the, the real team, like their last game was 11 days ago. Like that's demeaning to the people who left their families, who put their bodies on the line, who, who played a game during a pandemic and you're going to call them scout team. You're going to demean them like that. Get out of here, Dan Mullen. You it, it's a disgrace. And he said a lot of dumb stuff this season, but that by far is the dumbest, most ridiculous thing I've heard out of a head coach that I've maybe ever heard. It's it, it's insulting towards this program. It's insulting towards towards his players, and it it it, it frankly is just an abomination of college football. Just mm-hmm. it, just le- just just opt out of the game if you truly felt that way. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you're just get out of here. Yeah, and, we, and this is comparison also. We played Mike Gundy earlier. <laughs> we played Mike Gundy in Oklahoma oh, State God, earlier. Yeah. So, so this is quite this. They're like, you know, we had an embarrassing version. Was. Mike Gundy was bad. That was a really, really – remember punting on the 38 or whatever that was? That was bad. And then Dan Mullen said, okay, what's going on, guys? I'm here. Let me, let me do that. And that, and that. You don't see Florida players hitting the portal right now. And after that comment, damn right I'd be thinking – in the pool and that's why i really do think that he's got eyes towards the nfl and i think i saw a report somewhere on twitter about that um but we don't have to dive into that 
Jameson's yeah, I mean, going to accidentally get a monkey paw, Dan Mullen at the uh, Los Angeles Chargers here. That's not what I That's exactly what I didn't want to hear. <laughs> we already interviewed Jason Garrett, so I don't want to talk. <laughs> who knows? Who knows, um, who knows what his um, – you know who knows what his relationship is with with his players and and, and in the locker room. Um, his his comments, you know, maybe weren't seen as insulting to his players, but I think that they definitely, whether it's conscious or not, were visible to a lot of future players. And and that's really, I think, what I've been saying. This game was about, at least in my opinion, is is that recruiting legitimacy. And and we saw, you know, Dan Mullen's performance and then comments are kind of you know, attacking this whole idea of this SEC depth thing. Um, you know, if, if your second and third string players are getting stomped like that, then maybe there isn't a lot of depth. Uh, also, the SEC East isn't the SEC. So there's that to consider. Um, but I think it's it's another thing, you know, if even if his current players didn't feel disrespected by those comments, you're going to have to wonder how, you know, someone that is maybe going to be under him in the future feels about those comments, uh, whether they're aware of it or not, they might see, you know, the, just the difference in personality and think, you know, Oh, I don't want to go, you know, there if I'm not going to be respected, you know, unless I'm a Heisman candidate, you know, I think a lot of kids coming in think that they will be, um, and, and not wrongfully so, but you know, everyone I think wants to be at least respected by their coach. Um, and, and to hear a coach talk about his, you know, guys that aren't his, always his starters. And, and like we said, a lot of them were the starters, um, including that, that quarterback was not like their backup. That's been there for forever. I, I believe the kid is a freshman and is a super highly touted recruit and is, is considered like the future of their program. Um, so it's, you know, imagine, imagine last year, um, if you know Hertz had been out or something, and and Rattler had had to play a game, and we lost, and then Lincoln Riley went out there and said, "Oh well, I mean, it was our scout team quarterback." Like, how would you feel about that statement? Like, it's absurd. It it, it really is ridiculous, and I honestly don't even want to give any more time to Dan Mullen. Uh, but we definitely had to address it. Uh, to be fair, you know, if there's any other coach we should address. We'll probably address him at the end. Uh, was not involved in this game. Was recently uh, in the state of Texas, but we'll get to that. Is it Lane uh, Kiffin? Oh. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not Lane <laughs> Kiffin. Excellent guess, though. Uh, one last note on the Cotton Bowl. One of my favorite OU football moments. I thought it was remarkable. Um, the Malcolm Kelly rap being broken out at the trophy uh, ceremony was just really cool. I loved that. Yeah, J- Jameson. Like, w- what is the legacy of that rap, kind of, and what what does that do for recruiting? That it really shows this bond, I guess. I'm surprised how many of them knew it. You know, there's a couple people like the little kid in the choir and like kindergarten <laughs> that were kind of mouthing the words, acting like they didn't know it, just throwing some hand signals. But you know, it was honestly really surprising. It was a really really cool moment. And then on Twitter, you saw like people that weren't even OU people that knew the song. It's it's more famous than I thought it was. I thought it was just an OU following. So honestly, really, really cool moment. And something that I was very surprised to see. It is kind of funny in you know 2020 hearing people rap about uh Kevin Sumlin and Bob's like Bob Stoops 
just it's it's a very 2006. If you listen, really listen to the lyrics, uh, it, it's very very tailored to a weird year in OU football. Talking about Paul Thompson and uh, Alan Patrick, for God's sake. If you really analyze the lyrics, uh, that it's funny that that of all years, you know, uh, produced an icon in OU football. Uh, Ty, your thoughts on the Alan Patrick rap? Are you a fan? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm not Paul Thompson, not Paul Thompson. Shoot, Malcolm Kelly. Malcolm Kelly. Yeah, I, I, I got my 2006. So I got my I got my 2006 Sooners just blended in my head like a like a mess. It's okay. Um, it's it's cool to see. In my opinion, um, I'm not. I've never been super like high, I'm not anti the rap. I just don't. I never thought it was as cool as some people think it is. Um, you know, no, no, just, I think it was just cause I didn't really care about OU football at that time. Uh, I didn't really start to care about OU football until like sixth grade. Um, so it was, you know, sort of before, uh, my time. So a lot of my super fondest, earliest memories of OU football are like Sam Bradford stuff was, was that timeline. Um, yeah. so I never had this big attachment to, to the rap, but I really enjoy it for the same reason that I just absolutely love every time that, uh, OU has like a player in the Heisman ceremony is, is where a lot of people see it as well. Is this family sense of OU and this sort of heritage and this, um, at least awareness of our history that we have at OU, uh, culturally is, is amazing. And, and I understand we have a super rich tradition um, and I'm sure that players at Notre Dame know their history, and I'm sure that players at other places uh, know their history as well. But, you know, when you see an OU guy at the Heisman ceremony, um, unfortunately, we don't see a lot of the recent winners there. But you got Billy Sims and his Walmart OU uh, blazer just screaming boomer the whole time to where they have to, like, mute him um, and, and stuff like that is just amazing to see. Uh, and, and to see guys that know this, um, you know, rap from 20 years ago now um, is is super, super cool. And, and you know, um, the king, Barry Switzer, lives right off of campus. And, and you know, Bob Stoops, other former coach, still connected with with the program and, and stuff. And that's super, super huge, I think, for a lot of guys uh, recruiting-wise, that, that care about a sort of family atmosphere. And, you know, Lincoln Riley fits right into that as well. This, this, he's a family guy, and 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 people see that. And um, I think that it's, you know, not only important for recruiting, but it's just important overall. Like, the sense of belonging and the sense of meaning, um, you know, to be able to be like, yeah, I was an OU football player. I, I was connected with the OU football program um means something even even on the years when we aren't good uh we we know our history and and the players know that history um and you see it like in our equipment staff um and and things like that even as well so it's it is super cool and i think it's sort of indicative of a greater um super super awesome cultural thing that that ou has just sort of had forever uh and it's great to see that continuing yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. It's it, it's a really cool deal that, I, honestly, I didn't know it was a thing until, like, Twitter. It, it popped up once, and I was just like, wait, what in the world? Like, I had no idea, like, this even existed. It's wonderful. Uh, I do got to acknowledge the fa- the point in the rap where he tries to say Nebraska Cornhuskers, stumbles and says Nebraska Hornhuskers is so cringy. It's brutal. And I don't want to be the one to say it, but it's a it, it makes me cringe every time I hear the rap, and you can tell they didn't know what to say. 
whenever it came up when they were redoing it. They they're trying to say half people were trying to say Florida Gators, the other half were trying to say Nebraska Hornhuskers. It was a mess. <laughs> That's just awesome to show the the fall off of Nebraska football that people don't even know what they're called. <laughs> not uh, only are they not only have they just been not relevant whatsoever for several years, it's gotten to the point that people literally don't even know what the team is called anymore. I can't oh imagine God. reaching a point of irrelevance where people forget what your team is even called. Oh God. Well, hey, in 2021, Ooh. the Nebraska Hornhuskers, we will diminish again. So <laughs> maybe maybe they bring it back after we uh, beat Nebraska next year. Assuming the Big Ten, you know, gets their stuff together and puts together a normal season. But anyways – that's a wrap on the cotton bolt. Anything y'all want to say before we move on to uh, the off season? No, maybe. this is like, this is like, like pressing the X button after you um, won your bowl game in NCAA 14. Did I zone out or did we just completely not cover the offense besides running backs? And it's what all that matters, you know, the past game, you know, we dropped a couple balls and the receivers did the same thing. We talked about the run and then we went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Well, yeah. we, we each gave a five-minute monologue on Dan. <laughs> let, let me let me give you like a, a fast track then. Rattler the, good, receivers bad. Theo's dropped balls. Rattler threw dimes. Uh, Mims got a touchdown, didn't show up. Stogner showed up again uh, because he yeah. had a staff infection in his quad. This yeah. whole thing, the, the entire time, what the hell strep. happened there? He had strep throat in his quad. Sounds fake. Mm. Jameson, I'd love I'd love for you to go uh, fantasy doctors on that one. What the hell happened? Medical corner. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, so the bacteria, once it gets into your blood, it can travel anywhere on your body. And, you know, think about staph infections. Uh, it can go to your skin, you know, and create an infection there. And there's sometimes where it can do things where it just completely eats, you know, skin-eating bacteria, flesh-eating bacteria. You heard that. Similar of that. So essentially, it was an upper respiratory thing that traveled to his blood down to an area of trauma that made it weak and susceptible for colonization of bacteria. And it invaded the quad muscle and essentially created an abscess that had to be go in surgically, drain it, and then given antibiotics and slowly return to play as that abscess heals on its own. That sounds bad. <laughs> That sounds yeah. very bad. Yeah, it, it can uh, be really bad because, you know, if you don't catch it early and that bacteria stays in your blood, you know, you see it on the Thunder commercials all the time, sepsis, you know, like that that's what can happen. It's a blood infection. It, you can – your blood pressure skyrockets and down and you're, you're toast. So, yeah, it, we're, we're glad that we caught it early. And, you know, it's, it's a rare thing. So they said it was strep. You know, some people said it was staph. You know, it's really oh, doesn't it was, it was staph. It, it was staph. Yeah. Yeah, I think Holly Rose said it was strep, and that's really rare. Staff is more common. So, yeah, but okay, yeah, I don't care about that. Yeah, I don't care about that. It doesn't really matter. But all it, all it was is that it's a bacteria that came from the upper part, went down to the lower part. Yeah, it sounds like a mess. I do not want to think about it or visualize it. So let's hit the X button on our season of Dynasty mode and move on to the offseason. And we're here to talk about guys we've lost to the draft, Guys, we've lost to uh, the transfer portal. Let's just get it started. Um, Creed, Jameson, I, I know you have the full list, so I, I, I'm actually going to let you go on this one instead of me using my kind of crappy truncated one. Yeah, let's let's talk um, NFL departures first. 
you know, I feel like that's a little bit more optimistic. Uh, Creed Humphrey, like you were saying, you know, one of the best centers, if not the best center in the nation. I saw a mock draft today that had him project first round. Um, he's he's going to be a big guy um, moving for um, moving for losing because he was a captain on this offense, and our other captain was Patrick Fields. So I don't know how much leadership's there, um, but but we're going to need another guy to step up on the offense and be that big leader. And, uh, you know, we have a center in the making that we can replace him with, you know, with uh, Chris Murray. Uh, but, you know, Creed was a very, very big guy for being solid. He's been there before. He's played since he was a freshman. And he's just a good guy. Yeah, and I think this was – honestly, we thought this was going to happen. This is a, a shock, I would say. Mm, definitely. And, I mean, you know, Chris Murray is a good replacement. We've been clamoring for him to get in for the last part of the season because of our guard play. Um, but yeah, he'll slot right into center. And if, if he doesn't play center and he wants to play guard instead, yeah. Andrew Rame, you know, it could be a great center prospect moving forward as well. A guy that we thought all along before we got Chris Murray was going to be the replacement center. So yeah, this will be, this will be just a, a okay. Yeah. It, it, it was a part of the process. We should have, we should have been and will be ready for this. We knew this going honestly all along uh, that Creed was probably NFL bound we could have told you that in September, I think. But mm-hmm. no, yeah, and and I, I do want to say on, on Creed before we move on, he he could have gone to the NFL last year, um, and and you know just for his draft stock, maybe should have, um, you know just looking at the hype that he had last year versus, uh, you know some of the the rougher situations he's been in this year. Uh, so I think, um, you know I, I I'm not gonna have comments on everyone that's that's leaving, but but Creed, you know I really want to touch on like we said. Oklahoma dude uh, from the state, been an OU fan, went to play at OU, started as a freshman, could have gone to the draft last year and stayed purely to be a good teammate. Um, I, we could not have asked more from from Creed. So uh, I think it's awesome to see him go. Uh, bittersweet, you know, sad we're losing him, but he he will do uh, greater things in the NFL for himself. And, and uh, you know, I you know thank you to to Creed from the Schooner Pod for for everything that he's done for for OU because he's been a great he's been a great player and he's been you know a true a true teammate for our guys and, and a true leader so yeah, yeah Creed, and Creed gives a special gets a, a special shout out for sure he gets he gets the uh, the Schooner Pod Golden Wheel Award for I guess favorite player I don't know I just made that up on the fly good job the Creed Schooner Pod the I don't know the 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 there's the, gotta be something the, the golden a, wheel the wagon the wheel wagon yoke award for outstanding <laughs> lineman of the year last Phil. awarded to Phil Lodeholt <laughs> we're bringing it back for Creed <laughs> there we go I, yeah yeah ten year old me was one hundred percent like just dropping like podcast about Phil yeah Lodeholt. you guys don't know about that they were recorded on GameCube we, 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 and we <laughs> lost the memory card for them unfortunately they're there they're there we promise <laughs> uh, man we, we recorded it all on Xbox Live for the for the uh, <laughs> anyways Creed excellent performance uh you know out of Shawnee Oklahoma so awesome for Central Oklahoma there to have a guy going to the, going pro uh should have a long illustrious career uh you know in the in the league um i didn't realize he played h back in high school which makes me you know honestly laugh thinking of creed humphrey running around and i don't know that, that just sounds really funny to me but 
uh, a true dedication to the program. Uh, one of the greatest centers in Oklahoma history. And uh, he'll be missed, but you know that's a part of the program. You are so, this is this is what you want. You want guys to go to the league. Good job on Creed for sure. Uh, but that's enough about a guy that we knew was leaving, anyways. Jamison, a um, couple surprises going to uh, the NFL uh, this season. Uh, I believe at the top of the list, Adrian Ely and Trey Norwood. Uh, talk a little bit about those two. Yeah, Adrian Ely had a chance to come back next season. Uh, especially with the offensive line being really weak this year. You know, we saw Creed, we were talking about it earlier, and maybe his draft stock maybe took a hit a little bit. And, you know, the run on centers, offensive linemen at the at the end of the first round, it happens. Cesar Ruiz last year, so I don't think he takes it. Adrian Ely, I, I don't know how why he wants to go to the NFL draft. Um, I would have came back and tried to have been more solid. But, you know, maybe he just doesn't think he can be any better than he was this year. Uh, I thought he was just a very average guy. You know, he could be, you know, Bobby Evans level when it comes down to draft stock. And Bobby Evans is getting a lot of play for the Los Angeles Rams. So that would be a best case scenario for Adrian Ely moving forward. And also with Trey Norwood, you know, I, I alluded to it earlier in the podcast. This is his time. It's the completely opposite thing of Adrian Ely. He played really well to end the season. How much better can you do than Trey Norwood playing these past couple weeks? You know, the amount of interceptions playing is going to pop on the stat sheet. And all, all he needs is people to take a look at him. And then that's, that's enough for you to get drafted. If somebody catches their eyes with the interception numbers. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he definitely peaked a bit and uh, this was a good spot for him to leave. I, I do think he could have, I don't know, may, maybe I'm overly optimistic if he came back another year, but it was, he, he definitely ended on a high note. Um, if you told me in October that he was going to, you know, declare for the draft, I'd say he was insane, but, um, really he, he, his performances spoke for themselves, uh, down the end. Um, as for Ely, you know, definitely not, uh, you know, lineman that he, he, it could have benefited him. And I, 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 I'm probably just regurgitating your takes here because they're right, but, uh, definitely didn't see that coming. Good, good luck to him. You know, he's, Hopefully he has learned enough. I, I don't know if he'll go high in the draft, but I, I think he has the skill set to improve and grow and hopefully does that with an NFL roster. Uh, I just feel like it's a little safer to do that uh, at home in Norman. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, uh, Adrian Ely could have been better, but you never know what would happen next year. So the last guy that's leaving for the NFL, Trey Brown, you know, he opted out. We talked about that. Trey Brown's going to turn heads whenever he goes to pro day. He had he has highlights on his highlight tape. He can make a really good highlight tape with all of his big plays. And he's going to go out and run a really fast 40. So he's going to get drafted. And even if we do think that he does have a little bit of lapse when it comes down to one-on-one man coverage, you know, people will draft you just for speed. You need speed corners in this league, even if you aren't good at man. They will always have a spot in the NFL. So um, he, he should be just fine there. The, the ghost of Al Davis will give him a high draft grade. Yeah. He, he, he's, he sounds like an Oakland Raider right there. For you, <laughs> I guess. But um, other than the guys we know are going to the draft, and, and Ty, I'll get your take on you know, the guys who we know are going. Uh, who do you see potentially of the guys who have not yet declared, uh, who do you think is most likely to go? It, it's Ramondre. So um, I don't know if Ty was supposed to go here. I don't know if you're talking to me, but yeah, it's Ramondre. Ramondre's number one. He it's very for sure. If you're talking about guys that can, can they do any better than they have? It, you can't get much better than Ramondre into the season. 
You know, he he goes out and falls, shows us a full season of work of what he did again at the end of the season next season. All it is is losing one year shelf life on a running back, and that's and people want young running backs. So he's got to go now. He has not declared that he's going to the NFL draft. Not announced. He has 13 more days to do so. Um, so uh, what's the date on that? Let me get the date on that. Make sure I got that right. Um, January 18th. So he has 13 day more days to declare. Um, and same thing as Ronnie Perkins. I feel like Ronnie Perkins would just be a notch below that. How can he do any better? The only thing that Ronnie Perkins has on his side is if he comes back, he joins the whole defensive line class essentially coming back. And the way they dominated the end half the end of season, they can do again, run it back on even lesser opponents. Now, um, assuming they get better and other people lose players, you know? Uh, uh, I, yeah. I, I will say this. I think Ramon, you're right. Exactly right with Ramondre. You should go now uh, with running backs. You get a lot of wear on that tread. You get a lot of wear on that. You, you have such a short life or like, like NFL life uh, as a running back. Barry Sanders only played 10 years for God's sake, and he never got hit. Uh, so if you're Ramondre Stevenson, who's a bit of a bruiser goal line specialist, go now. Uh, I, I think Ronnie Perkins, the only reason he would hold out is if he really felt confident in getting like a top five draft grade, you know, what it, like some elite early money grade. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Ty, what are your thoughts on uh, the guys who are one going to the draft and two, uh, might go to the draft. Yeah, so I think uh, this one kind of applies to, to I think, almost all of them. And it's it's that, you know, if you know you can get the money, uh, take the money. I, a lot of them, uh, you know, do, no disrespect, but most of OU's football players didn't come to OU to, to play school. Um, and, and, you know, you can't really, if you're good, you can't really um, – hurt them for that. I mean, you, you know, you come to, to a university uh, to increase your job prospects in the future to, to make, you know, better money than you would otherwise. Um, That's, that's really what it's about. And, you know, for some people that education is done via a a degree from one of the various colleges. And and for some people it's done, you know, on, on the football field. And, you know, I, if you can come in to, to OU, if you can come into school, and spend two or three years here and, you know, someone offers you a, a job at several hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, yeah, take it for sure. Absolutely. Take it. You know, nothing's going to stop you from coming back and getting your degree in the future if, if you so wish. So, um, you know, you can always stay to, to increase your job prospects if possible. Uh, but ultimately, you know, for these individual guys, it, you know, they have a passion for the game, but it's also their job. Um, and you know, that's why they came to OU in in the most part, none of them would have come to OU otherwise. Um, and and they come here, you know, to play for a team, which they've done. Um, and, and, you know, now they're off to, to develop their professional careers. And I don't think anyone can really, you know, knock anyone for that. Um, I think Stevenson, like you guys said, absolutely, uh, is going to go to the draft. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm about 99 percent sure he's a 2015 high school graduate. So he is already, um, you know, he he's he's at least 23, if not 24. Um, and he has had a tremendous showing uh, this year and in, in this last half of the season, tons of of uh, highlight reels, tons of outstanding plays. 
um, and, and tons of national recognition. I really don't know that he could help himself anymore by staying and continuing play football for free. Um, and just, again, he's a, he's a running back. Like you said, like you guys said, the shelf life is not extremely long and he takes hard hits. And I don't think that he should stay honestly. And I don't think, you know, it might hurt OU a little bit that he leaves, but he's come, he's given us his all, um, you know, grinded his way up from, from the Juco leagues to, to OU. Um, and then grinded his way up from like four string running back last year at the start, uh, just getting awesome garbage time plays to, to where he is now. Um, and I don't think he should stay uh, cause he's, I don't think he has a lot more to gain. He, he has tons of national recognition, um, an amazing highlight reel and, and an amazing storyline already. I don't think he gains anything by staying. I think it helps out you, but I, I don't think he should. I think he's just wearing his body for another year and risking injury. So I think, I think that he will declare. I, I would expect that. And I really think he should. Um, and I think he'll be outstanding in the NFL. And frankly, no disrespect to Ramondre, but I don't think he's an everyday or every down back. He's not going no, to probably. He's never going to be. An, yeah, yeah. We we know that he's never going he to be. In a, yeah. yeah, he's never going to be an Ezekiel Elliott, you know, type of guy who you run every down. But he's going to make some serious money as you know a you know a power back who can catch the ball out of the backfield and you know really slam it into the end zone. Or like yeah, Garrett Blunt type. There really? is a place for him. Yeah. And, and you know, Absolutely. that's something I said earlier. There, there is a place for him. I don't think he's ever going to be anyone's, you know, RB1. And, and that's not, um, you know, a knock on him whatsoever. I, I think he is very specialized in his role in terms of being a running back. When you look at it NFL-wise, this year we were a little short on experience. Definitely not talent, I think we saw but we were short on experience um, and he really filled the role of in everything running back. And if anything, that helps his, you know, game knowledge and it helps his, his sort of football resume. But I think when he goes to the NFL, uh, which he will regardless, um, you know, barring any sort of injury, knock on wood. Um, but he, he fills a very, you know, a sort of specialized role. And that's not a bad thing whatsoever. That That is a great thing because there are, you know, there's only room for a few stars, but everyone is always going to need, you know, that sort of power running and, and stuff that he he really does well, almost fullback style running, but from the halfback position and then able to catch and and uh, has a good, you know, great decision making running wise this year. I think outstanding. And, and you know, that's I think we could yeah. talk about him for, that, for forever. Absolutely. So sure. Yeah, he's he's not a an everyday superstar, you know, the, the main back, but there is a absolutely a role for him. And I think he's really going to make a lot of money without a doubt. And he should, he definitely has earned it. Uh, incredible, uh, you know, two year career from Ramondre Stevenson. If we don't see him again, you know, that's totally fine. We doff our cap to him. Uh, let's move on to the transfers. Uh, quite a bit of uh, Sooners entered the transfer portal. Jameson, um, I have my little list. Give us our list of uh, who we've lost to the uh, almighty portal. Let's just quick fire through all of these, and I'll just say them all, and we can kind of pick what we want to talk about. So out of quarterbacks, Tanner Mordecai going to SMU, Chandler Morris to TCU, RIP. We're sad, but we saw that coming from a mile away. Running back, TJ Pledger. Um, we don't know where he's going. No rumors yet. 
Wide receiver Finn Corwin, uh, I guess he will want to go with his buddy Chandler Morris, another Highland Park kid, walk on. Uh, he caught one touchdown with OU, doesn't matter. Jalen Conyers, uh, you know, was a big-time 2020 recruit tight end that we were really excited about. Never got in the whole season this year. It was very disappointing. Seems like he just didn't catch it. He's going to join Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Then moving this defensive side, or we have got Charleston Rambo. Um Kind of an afterthought, so who knows where he'll go, but good for him. Uh, defense side, John Michael Terry, once great rush position for us. Um, once he got hurt, you know, you lost it to Nick Benito and Uguaybu, and Nick Benito obviously solidified that spot as his own with no one coming to the backup. And then Robert Barnes, we saw have a great game versus Baylor, but can't really find his spot here. And then um, – Stevenson Johnson, our backup kicker, is gone. He played really well whenever Burkage overslept the game, I guess. <laughs> overslept. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, JK, just COVID. But, yeah, um, the, big, the big one for me, I know we're going to hit on is Chandler Morris. Um, but so, but I'll, I'll say one thing. It's, it's a really big disappointment. Jalen Conyers didn't get to get more snaps. I feel like tight end is a position that we're kind of weak at when it comes down to the young guys right now. Um, it's kind of Stogner or bust. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Hall and, you know, Braden Willis are good, but I don't know if they're true tight ends. And Jalen Conyers could have been a Mark Andrews type of player. So, um, oh, well, you know, moving forward, hopefully we, we can maybe find a transfer. I will say this before I forget. I know I'm, I'm going long. Ari Gilbert, everyone's freaking out over him. You know, the LSU five-star entered the transfer portal. But he did say he wants to go closer to home, which is in Georgia. So I have no expectation for him coming to OU as a transfer. Are you saying Scrabby Dogs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give him to Scrabby. No, he'll probably go to Georgia. He's too good. He'll probably go to UGA. I, be, be a star at Scrappy Dogs. Go go to Georgia Tech. We need it. <laughs> Kelvin Johnson. What's that? Georgia Tech is not Scrappy Dogs. Georgia, Georgia Tech is is definitely Scrappy Dogs. Hey, okay, I know they are by definition. They were like two and seven against the spread this year. <laughs> I don't even know where Blake got that from, but I loved it. Um, <laughs> o- overall, I, it's it's a bummer to see some of these guys leave. I, I think more than anything, it hurts our depth because uh, again, especially when you look at the quarterbacks. Chandler Morris and um, Mordecai were never going to get first team burn without uh, injury to Rattler or, you know, in the, in the future, um, I, I, it's just not going to happen. So it, the path wasn't there for them. I get that. Um, and we're going to see some fun iron skillet games between the two. As you know, you have one go to SMU and one go to TCU. So that's going to be a blast. Um, I, I think it'll be, Interesting to see where Charleston Rambo goes, and I know that seems like a, I, I guess, a bit of a hit on the surface level as we've seen him play quite a bit the past couple of years. But this is a wide receiver group that has gotten is going to get in, incredibly crowded with Mario Williams coming in, uh, and then obviously you have Bridges and Hazelwood coming back, uh, you know, healthy or slash, you know, not snake bitten by the NCAA. So it, it it's it's going to be harder for it'll be harder for Rambo to get a lot of PT, which is totally fine. Um, So I I think that was definitely the right move for him. I think he's maxed out his time here. Uh, If he was ever going to have a year to blow up, it would have been this one and he didn't. So the best move is a change of scenery for, for Rambo there. But um, yeah, it's, it's just something you just 
kind of got to roll with. This is the nature of college football. And, um, you know, sometimes you get a ton, sometimes you lose a ton. Uh, I wouldn't be super burned or upset about it, but, um, yeah. Ty, your thoughts on, uh, on the portal. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, I think, um, one, I think the portal is, is a great thing overall for college football. I think it creates, you know, awesome situations in terms of developing individuals. Cause, cause ultimately, like I talked about, I, I think of college football very much like another, you know, it's, it's almost a vocational education at, at a university. Um, you know, a, a lot less chance of it materializing into a career um, than, than other, you know, vocational uh, university level things. Um, but uh, ultimately I think, you know, we're doing our, our, you know, society a whole a better by, by developing, you know, as many people as we can and in as many ways as we can. Um, and, and for a lot of people, that means going somewhere where they can be maybe not the star, but, but going somewhere that's the best for them. And, and people don't necessarily always make the right decision in, in high pressure situations right out of high school. Um, and a lot of guys maybe commit to schools that they isn't the best school or the best environment for them. Um, and I'm not saying that's happening with any of these guys, but I think the freedom of movement, uh, is, is a good thing. Um, Absolutely. Whole, Absolutely. For sure. And I don't think, you know, we lost, um, great dudes, uh, no, no disrespect to them, but I don't think that, you know, nothing that we lost was significant or, or really going to hinder us or impact us negatively in, in any way, really. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I'm excited to see what these guys go and do at, uh, at other spots. OU has a, a proud history of, of people transferring elsewhere and then being successful. Uh, guys like Marcus Dupree, um, Troy Aikman, uh, Marcus Dupree transferring to the USFL. Anyways, (laughs) no, the first one was a joke, but yeah, I know it's still yeah. So I don't, I don't have anything really specific. Uh, but yeah, I I hope everyone that is leaving, uh, the best. Just like the guys going to the NFL, I I hope them the best. Uh, but don't don't worry if you're an OU fan. We're not losing anything that we can't, you know, replace or or make up for for sure. Absolutely, and you know, we all wish them the best of luck. Uh, but we'd also be remiss if we didn't talk about the guys who are staying. Uh, Perry on Winfrey has uh, already confirmed to be staying uh, another season, a massive part of the defensive line. Uh, Isaiah Thomas said he was coming back, of course, but like, I don't think he could have left in the first place, but I'm not really sure on that. Um, he seems like he's set. He keeps talking about next year. That seems good. Uh, Nick Benito, while he has not confirmed, has talked a lot about next year. Uh, while we have heard reports that that doesn't necessarily mean he's saying, look, if you're talking about next year and going at him again and going for a national championship, I would say that trends more towards the positive of him staying than the negative of him leaving. Um, so, um, and then you also have uh, Amani Bledsoe, I believe. I don't know if I mentioned him. Uh, also staying... Bro, what are you talking track. about? That dude that dude plays on the Cincinnati Bengals. Rats. <laughs> who who did I mix up then? Who is that? <laughs> I have my, oh no, I mixed up my old my old lineman. Who who's the guy who said he was coming back? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a lot of them. Jalen Redmond. 
Jalen Redmond will be coming back on the defensive line. Arguably our best defensive oh, lineman goodness. this season four. Amani Bledsoe has been two years in the pro, but he's decided yeah. to come back. <laughs> uh, I mean, Marquise Hayes said he's coming it's Marquise back. Hayes. It's Marquise Hayes. I mixed up Marquise Hayes and Amani Bledsoe. Hayes, Bledsoe. Oh, very similar. I, I don't know. I, Amani and Marquise, that's where I got mixed up. I'm, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, I should retire right now, honestly. Good Lord. That was awful. We're, yeah. we're not even a last name podcast anymore. We're just a no name podcast. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But, but the defense also got Caleb Kelly, too. You know, maybe there'll be something there. Maybe throw him at the back of Brush behind Benito. You know, yeah. give him something new. That'd be something. Jalen Redmond, like I was saying, I want to make sure we put this in there. Jalen Redmond was so good for us. And if you can come out and just be a little bit of that as a change of pace guy at the defensive tackle position, you know, that is ginormous for us you know uh, so say if um ronnie perkins leaves uh we move isaiah thomas back out to defensive end where we started him at the beginning of the year where he was stellar um and we can put jalen redmond right in that defensive tackle next pairing on winfrey at the nose and it's it's going to be once again a stellar defensive line with benito on the outside um also eric swenson has decided to come back for what seems to be maybe a sixth season i don't know who knows if bill beat ball will give him another start at the left tackle, uh, I doubt it, uh, but some reason Eric Swenson wants to come back. And uh, yeah, Mar- you mentioned uh, Marquise Hayes, but those are those are big those are big deal. And you know, there's no doubt that we're going to also get some transfers from the portal. I, I also feel like we're missing Kennedy Brooks. Oh, and Kennedy Brooks too. I, I also forgot huge. Kennedy Brooks. It, it's, the big, it's the biggest one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if Kennedy Brooks played this year, I really think this season probably goes differently. Uh, a remarkable running back, as we've noted many times. I've for a long time said I thought he was better than Sermon at times. Uh, Might have been totally wrong. Sermon's proving me wrong. But, um, you know, that's a huge addition. Uh, so there, there are additions coming back to the subtractions. Don't just look at the negative. But anyways. It's huge with Kennedy Brooks. Huge. Because, you know, Ramondre Steven most likely being gone. You know, we, I, I, even after the bowl game, I'm not sure on Marcus Major. I'm still not sure Seth McGowan's ready to take the play as the number one guy. Kennedy Brooks can come in and do that. And we'll see if he takes a step back from taking the year off. But otherwise, we have a veteran running back is exactly what we need. And, you know, with the transfer market, I was saying we will get guys look probably at offensive tackle. You know, even, you know, with Swenson coming back, you know, Ely's gone. Uh, I feel like we're going to look at offensive tackle because that might have been probably our weakest position this year. Um, outside of beginning of the year, Nickelback. Um, you know, we'll look at running back too. Um, see if we can find anyone there. Probably a wide receiver as well. Uh, maybe a safety because our safety play was also pretty weak at free safety. Um, but yeah, there's going to be more guys. Um, and the thing is with the portal this year is it's really easy to go online and check who's in the portal right now and see, oh, maybe we can get this guy and that guy. We saw with Chandler Morris is – they figure out where they're going before they get in the portal. If you are a big-time guy that's going to come out and make an impact on OU's team next year, you are going to be doing back-channel talks, figure out you want to come to OU, then you enter the portal, and then a day later you come to OU. So if there's anyone out there that you're looking at, I bet you OU's already turned that stone and they might not be interested. You know, So unless they're like a really low-end guy at a, at a small school. So don't expect you know some guy to sit in the portal for a long time and you know, bitch that he's not coming and OU's not looking at him. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. 
we'll be with you as it goes through the off season. Uh, I'll be it a little, you know, less frequent, but before we um, really break the season off, what, what's that tie? I had one last comment on the transfer portal. We can't not mention that fifth year senior, I think is he a fifth year senior. Who? Senior Austin Kendall. Austin Kendall transferring from West Virginia. Austin Kendall using his extra year of eligibility to transfer somewhere. Oh man, I I, I hope he finds a classic. I, I hope think he he's too. got two years of eligibility left. Now that I think about it, he, does, he, did, he, really? he did the third year oh. graduation. Dude might, dude might do the. Uh, he might get the. Uh, he might go to Oklahoma State. And like continue with their long line of thirty plus year old college football quarterbacks. Oh my god! Pull a Chris Winky or something. He Jeez. needs to go to some bad school because obviously he is shown as a fraud. Dude, he needs, he needs to go to the pack. Oh, he would try. Oh god! Send him. Okay, I did see that Boko um got a transfer quarterback, but send him. Oh, hear me out. Hear me Appalachian out. State Austin Kendall. I would hear buy that out. jersey. Mississippi State Austin Kendall. Under Mike Leach. <laughs> oh my God. I <sighs> it's plausible. Anyways, I'll I'll cut the, the Wait, rabbit. Coastal Carolina Austin Kendall. That's the best Austin no, Kendall. No, because they their quarterback's a freshman, right? Uh, never mind. Never <laughs> mind. Never mind. Uh th- then it is App State Austin Kendall. But Ugh. anyways, before we leave, before we enter the off season, let's just start off uh our ambitions, our thoughts for the next season. National um, championship. It's national championship or bust, right? It really, truly is. Not even trolling. It's that's no, it. That's for the standard. It, it's not trolling. That's the that that is this year. Um, you know, we we've we have not been this set up for a national championship since 2017. This has been the moment we've been waiting for for years. The moment we've circled since the schooner pod even started, for that matter. Um you know, we thought this would be the year as in the upcoming year and <laughs> not the year we, not the year we, we played uh, Florida's JV team. Uh, no, this is like the year of like, we always thought like circle it. This is the year it's going to come together for Oklahoma. Um, national championship or bus Jameson. What do you think? It has to be because just I'm, I'm just going to go very quickly through the roster and think about what we thought about this beforehand. We, this is Spencer Rattler's last year before his draft eligibility. You know, Kennedy Brooks, will be. this will be his last year. Offensive linemen as well. You know, all of our stud 2018 wide receiver class, I understand they flopped since then a little bit in Ty's books. You know, they're still, still going to lot to prove, but this would be their draft eligibility year. Defensive line, all returning um, if, if Ronnie Perkins comes back, if not, still very one of the best defensive lines in the country. You know, Uguaybe will be draft eligible after the year, as long as Deshaun White and Brian Asamoa. And, you know, in our, we have a veteran um, cornerbacks uh, that will not be draft, draft eligible and their youngest guys, but DJ Graham and Woody Washington have shown to be those guys that can be our future cornerback. This is our year. We have so many guys that could leave the following year that this is the um, this is the year we have to do it. And, and I don't want it to be a one-year bus kind of LSU thing, um, but I, I would take that happily. Absolutely. It's been 20 years since we've won a national championship. Um, and frankly, you know, the schedule sets up. We have at Tulane, which is going to be a blast if, it, if it's played and is allowed to have fans. Uh, New Orleans trip, 
that'd be great. We have oh, Nebraska, yeah, we have sure. Nebraska coming back to Norman, who is a Power Five team, but we should beat the brakes off of. Uh, Texas is in free fall. Uh, Iowa State, while they are getting uh, you know Brock Purdy back, is a fraud. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. We're going to start the <laughs> Iowa State is a fraud campaign right now. We're starting early, folks. I is Matt Campbell just- still a coward? Oh, God. No, no, he's not. Because, okay, so just a quick, quick sidetrack. The entire Matt Campbell is a coward storyline is based on the fact that he was afraid to go to the NFL. I think we've now seen that his NFL stock has dropped significantly. Well, it's uh, not Luke had- Fickle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a much better coach than Fickle. I think we've seen Campbell can at least close games and, and win them uh, sometimes. Um, but yeah, it, it was all based around his his NFL stock and his unwillingness to go to the NFL because he knew that he wouldn't succeed there because he was a coward, too cowardly to do that. Uh, but I think I don't think his NFL stock is where it once was. Uh, so I don't think he's as much of a coward currently for not going to the NFL just because he doesn't really have offers currently that I'm aware of. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. But, um, you know, we have Iowa State at home, uh, TCU at home. That shouldn't do anything. Um, I, I'm not worried about Bedlam on the road. TCU, TCU it, is always a home game. Anything in Dallas-Fort Worth is also a home game for OU. We, basically, we, we basically own that city at this point. We really do. Uh, it, it, the schedule lines up good for Oklahoma. Uh, got to get past uh, those pesky uh, Kansas State Wildcats. Although I doubt there's any way we look past them after the we've past We've never beat Kansas State. I'm enrolled for fall. We've never beat Kansas State with me as a student. We, uh, we so if I have to drop out for us to win the Natty, I will. I guess but. we we need to enroll Ty in oceanography again. That's how we get them out. <laughs> just just start just start loading them up with bad courses. You know, like. I don't know, like space and you and like some crazy stuff. And that's how you get, there we go. He, he, he's got to take one. He's got to take, he's got to take an arrow to the knee. Yeah. But, uh, look, I I probably said this every year since 2001. 20, this is the year. This next year is the year folks. We're winning it. It's coming out, but, uh, guys, it's been, a, it's been such a fun season. Season three of the schooner pod. And I'm uh, I can't wait for to do the off season with y'all, and we'll see where it goes. But in general, it's been a, it's just been a blast, and uh, always a, a true pleasure and a true delight to talk OU football. Um, so I'm gonna ask, and this is uh, I guess your final words on uh, 2020. Anything you have to say? Yeah, I'll say. Uh, Got to give it up to Bobby. Um, how much effort he put in making the banners, making this go live, um, the recruiting corner um, edits, all of the kind of stuff. Is top-notch recruiting and top-notch podcasting, I mean, and I I really appreciate everything you've done. It's been so fun. So uh, I'm glad to be back for the full season and let's keep on moving forward. Absolutely. Thank you, Jameson. And you can find Jameson on the Fantasy Doctors for all of your uh, fantasy basketball needs. So Fantasy basketball specifically, looking at you. Specifically. Whatever his name (laughs) <laughs> specifically fantasy basketball <laughs> check it, hey you can also check him out and myself out on boomtownhoops.com we do all of our post game shows for thunder basketball if you're into the sort of uh thunder thing i know we have a couple mavs fans out there but we uh we do some good stuff on there so if you're if you miss us weekly check us out there 
Um, Ty, your final thoughts on um, Schooner Pod season three, uh, your second yeah. season. Same, same as Jameson. Thanks for having me for another year. Um, I, I had a blast. It, it's something that I look forward to each week. I hope that, uh, that you guys, the, uh, the other hosts do. Uh, and I hope that our, our growing number of fans do as well. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks to uh, Jameson for, for letting me, you know, co-host with him. Um, like I've done these past couple of years and then, you know, again, Bobby, thanks for having me and, and all the work you put in for sure. Absolutely, man. Hey, thank you. Thank both of y'all for your just, you know, awesome perspectives. Uh, I, I just, I love how unique both of y'all and you, you all are. And it's, it really puts a, this has been probably my favorite season yet. And it's uh, a true culmination of what we built and looking forward to season three, but I doubt y'all want to hear us wax poetically for like the fourth straight week. So we're going to kick it. We're going to head on out. And there's only one way to head out. (laughs) Gary, send us into our national championship pick. Do yourself a favor try your luck. Take a step back, take a step back, take a step back, take a step back. Everybody stop where you're at. Take a step back, take a step back to the way it was. When people were crazy, love was enough. A little more old soul. A little more lay low. Give me just a little more of your heart. I said, ready, set, start. Take a step back. Take a step back. Take a step back. Take a step back. Everybody stop where you're at. Take a step back. Take a step back, take a step back, take a step back, take a step back. Everybody stop where you're at, take a step back, you know it. Take a step back, take a step back, take a step back, take a step back. Everybody stop where you're at, take a step back, take a step back, take a step back, take a step back, take a step back. Everybody stop where you're at, take a step back. Everybody stop you out. Take a step back. Everybody stop. Yes, sir. Take a step back.